Okay. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber. Romeo's making a lot of noise in the background. That's Ethan's dog. Not my dog, in case anyone's wondering. Uh, we have a great episode with Pep Fujas coming now. Like, literally right now. Um, great episode with Pep. I really enjoyed talking to him about what they're doing at Wonder. Um, what the whole idea behind the brand was. And honestly, just getting to chat with him for a bit. I Obviously, he's an icon in the sport. And talking to him on a one-on-one basis was a really cool opportunity for me. And I'm, I'm really thankful. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Um, before we get into the show, we have ads, as usual. Um, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Also, actually, before we do that... Uh, as I mentioned, on social media, on the internets, on Instagrams and Twitter and wherever else, uh, if you buy stickers during the month of July or in the next month, whenever the, this is coming out in July, yeah, it's coming out in July. If you if you buy stickers in the month of July, we will donate every dollar of that sticker sale to Planned Parenthood um, or an organization of your choosing. If you have a better one in mind, just put it in the show notes and that's where the money will go or in the notes to the order and that's where the money will go um a little scatterbrained here because Ethan kind of threw me under the bus and uh and started this thing on a whim but every dollar to Planned Parenthood um or an applicable organization that you think the money should go to um this is something that's really important to us here it's something that is really important to a lot of people and uh and is very very relevant to skiing to cycling to the outdoors um, and to every woman in any of our lives. So um, worth worth mentioning, go do that. Buy some stickers on the website, outofcollective.com. Go do that. Um, now, on to other stuff. Rebel Bikes is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. Uh, they have been a great partner for us so far. I got a sweet new bike out of the deal. It's rad. The new rail, 29 uh, has been my go-to weapon of choice uh, for the last month or so. Um, I really enjoyed it. It is a long travel 29er, 160 up front for me, and 155 in the back uh, of CBF suspension. Uh, huge fan of the bike. Durability is insane because I beat the shit out of it and treated it like garbage. And if you've ever ridden a bike with me, you know that I mean it. I am not nice to my bikes and this thing is held up extremely well as did the rascal that i had beforehand um i'm a huge fan of the product huge fan of the brand and what they're doing uh based in carbondale colorado this is a company that you should get behind so go to the website rebelbikes.com check out what they have to offer they even have a new gravel bike um for this year let's check that out okay cool um on to Sponsor number two of the day, which is Woodchuck Cider. If you are a Bellini boy or a Bellini girl, please uh, go get some Woodchuck Cider if you are over the age of 21. Um, Woodchuck is a wonderful partner of ours based in Woodstock, Vermont. Uh, They are a cider company that makes basically everything from brunch boxes, which you'll see over here. Um, which includes a Perseco, a Mimosa, Paloma, and a Bellini. A Paloma is a grapefruit cocktail-inspired drink situation, and a Bellini is a peach-inspired situation. (laughs) Um, They have all kinds of different products. They are not ridiculously sweet. They taste good. They're light. It's not beer. So if you're looking to switch it up for your summer activities, go check out Woodchuck Cider. They also have variety packs and swag and all kinds of stuff on the website. They also have an awesome summer concert concert series that I will be at um, featuring the Bleachers, the musical band, not the seating arrangement, uh, in Middlebury. So check that out, uh, and I'll see you there. Um, without further ado, actually minor further ado, as usual, uh, we have new hats. If anybody wants hats, we got new hat situations. I don't know what my deal is with the situation today, but new hats are out now. Go to the website, outofcollective.com, add a sticker on there, and uh, and represent. Cool. Uh, on to our episode with Pep Fujas. Yeah, let's see. I'm I'm Pep. Um, I grew up in Southern Oregon. 
I kind of developed a, a kind of a, a passion for skiing and the outdoors and uh, kind of followed that passion, moved down to, uh, moved out to Colorado to pursue some mogul skiing aspirations, was introduced to uh, freestyle skiing and then parks were being developed. So started getting myself into park skiing and uh, yeah, then moved out to Mammoth Lakes, California. Um, and I ended up in Utah and have kind of been exploring ever since. Um, yeah, that's a kind of a short version. I've <laughs> lived in Utah now for about God, almost 20 years. No um, and uh, yeah, kind of took a very unconventional path. I, I feel like I've done a lot of like the standard things people do in life kind of backwards. Um, <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, like uh, I went to, I started school. Um, yeah, started my undergrad when I was 34 um, <laughs> prior to that. So I met my girlfriend, now, now wife. Um, we have three kids, but yeah, we met in Salt Lake. Um, she moved in, we bought a house together and we had a kid, actually we had a kid and second one was on the way before we got married. Um, <laughs> and then I decided to go back to school um, which I just wrapped up in December. Sick. Um, so yeah, it seems like the course of those events were like <laughs> kind of in, in reverse order. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, can I ask you then yeah. what, cause this is actually kind of, I tend to care more about the current stuff that people are doing more than like, no offense, the past stuff that people are doing. I just feel like it's, it's more relevant to what's going on. And I feel like everybody knows who you are at this point. What, how, what does it feel like to graduate, like to get through school? Like, do, do you feel better or worse? Cause I kind of like juggle with this myself a lot. Like, is it actually worth going back to school? Do you feel any better? Do you feel like you gain something from it? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. I do feel like it was worthwhile for me. Um, and I did gain a lot. I think the most I gained from it is organization and like communication um benefits as well as just kind of understanding um the dynamics of um of business and how kind of the back end of of businesses work um i went for um just business administration but you get a pretty wide uh yeah wide variety of of courses and um you get a lot of yeah, a lot of like bits and pieces that help you kind of better formulate uh, what what businesses are trying to achieve and how do you actually go about achieving those things. Um, I would suggest to people to go back before they have two kids with a third on the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because that 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 just scheduling piece is so so challenging to, to find the time for you know family and personal life and then a job and you know all the other things that come with being humans right yeah i i don't know how you juggle all of those things at once like that seems like an impossible i remember even just like when i was in college trying to figure out a way to do a job and go to school like that was like those two things alone felt like too much so I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine juggling like being a husband having kids like that's yeah that's that's beyond me and that's another thing I wanted to, to talk to you about is like having kids and having a career and being a skier and like all of those things that go into that never mind the school aspect of it like how how do you balance it how do you manage your time like what like tell me the secret man like how do you how do you figure it out I don't know, but if I figured that out, I'll let you know. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, my hats off to my wife. She's like an incredible planner, um, and she, she's really good at like ironing out a lot of the details of, you know, what the family's doing, you know, at what time and who needs to go where, and um, she's really good at, at that juggling act. Um, 
but yeah, balancing kind of a ski career with my job has been fairly seamless just because I'm still working in the industry and a lot of the activities that I do um, are mutually beneficial to my other sponsors and yeah. Um, yeah. And for our own, of course, like marketing purposes. Right. Yeah. They get to use um, you. Wonder gets to use you on both sides, like the actual job portion of it and the athlete portion of it, which has got to be nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the hard part is of course, ba- balancing the family, family life and, um, you know, raising a family is not easy and, and requires a lot of additional help, which, um, we don't really have much of here in Salt Lake. Her family lives out in Ohio and my family lives out on the West coast. So just like making sure that our family's taken care of while I'm off on a trip. So I've, I've really been kind of relegated, uh, in a sense to doing more activities around here and, um, yeah, which is yeah. nice. I, I get to explore my home range a lot more and, um, yeah. How, yeah. And stay close to them. How, how into skiing are the kids at this point? Like, is it something that they're really into? Is it something that you feel like you're forcing on them almost like, or just by like, proximity in a sense or are they actually really into it um that kind of fluctuates i mean they've been very into it like every every weekend we go skiing and there's only been maybe i can count on maybe like one hand the times where they've been like yeah i'd rather go like to the ninja warrior (laughs) place or like i'd rather go climbing or something stuff yeah yeah but for the most part yeah they're they're really into it and it's it's nice self ski in any condition. I don't care if it's blizzarding out or icy or whatever. They're always gonna have fun. Sick. Um, what's it been like to bring that kind of experience to your kids? I mean, you spent your whole life skiing at this point. Like what what is that feeling like? Oh man, it's like the ultimate joy. Um, because I get to I get to experience skiing through them now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they start to learn things and you see them pick up you know, even just like, I don't know, making rounded turns or like this year, um, my girls started to figure out how to carve and like to see them start to understand that and be like, wow, like, I don't know, they can, you know, start to progress. And um, yeah, that's like, that's super fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I, uh, I can't even imagine. Um, well, kind of shifting gears, let's talk about Wonder. Um, first, for people that are unfamiliar, what is Wonder? What is your like? What is your official title there? What do you do for the company? And let's kind of take it from there. Cool. Yeah, Wonder Alpine. We're a materials company, and we're designing materials specifically for the ski application. Um, Checker Spots are our parent company and they're a material innovation company um, whose feedstock is algae oil. So they um, create essentially like the base structure to then turn the, turn that microalgae into um, physical materials and the physical materials have unique um, properties that are designed specifically for skiing, at least in this application. But Wonder Alpine is an, an outdoor brand and we will be bringing some other product to market um, with other al- al- algae-based materials. Um, so yeah, in it's, it's, it's always hard to condense. Into, I, feel like, like, I feel like you're keeping really secrets here. That shelf, right? <laughs> yeah. I- um, yeah, so right now we have we have two um, two materials that we're implementing into skis. One's a uh, algae-based polyurethane, so it's a sidewall material that has greater impact resistance than traditional um, petroleum products, um, namely ABS, because that's essentially what everybody uses and the only really real material that um, our industry has access to. There are a few companies that are doing some. Um, some poor polyurethane sidewalls, um, but they're all kind of off the shelf and they weren't designed specifically to be, you know, um, put into skis. And we also have an uh, algal hard foam that um, we lay up in between Aspen and the core that 
helps like helps with dampening the ski because it mitigates the vibration between the wood structures. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a really fun company to be a part of because we're always thinking about ways that we can like reduce the amount of inputs or waste. Um, and we actually are coming out with a a binding plate this year that's made out of uh, recycled flashings. So once you cut out the profile of the ski, um, you have a, essentially a bunch of waste. You have about 30% waste. Um, and we're grinding that up and then reconstituting it and actually implementing it back into the ski. Um, so we're trying to be like a very conscious, conscious company who's who's aware of the impacts that you know we're creating by being a manufacturer of hard goods um, and trying to mitigate you know the waste and the impact um, that we have on uh, our environment. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's huge. I think that message has gone across really well, um, especially with people that actually seem to give a shit about the environment. I think that that's I think it's huge what you guys are doing, and I also think it's fun or, or funny how you guys phrase it because it's the second time I've heard someone from Wonder refer to themselves as a materials company, like, and that's that's just an interesting way to think about skis, and it's also an interesting way to think about I don't know skiing in general, right? Because it's it puts the focus on the materials as opposed to putting the focus just on skis because a lot of times ski companies just have this flagship product, right? And it's, it's just skis. It's the only thing that matters. And I feel like, you know, this coming from a company like K2 where all where the end goal is just pump out as many skis as you possibly can and sell more skis and sell more skis. Environmentalism is not number one and creating a product that's more sustainable is not number one. Whereas with wonder, it seems like that's very much the opposite. Yeah, totally. We, we kind of started with a sustainable kind of mindset. I mean, we, we very much dislike sustainability as a word because I feel like it's misused in so many ways. Um, I mean, if you're in business, there really is no way to be sustainable. Um, you know, we're taking virgin materials and then, you know, the majority of them are going into the landfill. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the amount of impacts, you know, with, you know, how our supply chains are set up and I don't know, just like the whole scope of being in business is totally, I think it, it feels kind of unsustainable. We we prefer to call ourselves like a responsible company, yeah. um, that we're trying to do the most responsible and conscientious thing, you know, for our environment with, kind of the framework that has been built for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're just kind of, you know, most, most all businesses kind of rely on the framework that has been set up um, for the last couple hundred years. Um, and we only have access to materials um, based on, you know, that setup. Yeah. Do you, on that note, kind of, do you think that skiing is inherently bad for the environment? Like, I mean, that's, that's a thing that I think a lot of people struggle with because I think the easy answer is yes, but everybody wants to say no. Like, is it bad for the environment? Is there a way to get it to a point where we're like, where our impact on the environment as skiers is so minimal that, that at one point we can say no. Yeah. I, I think in the yeah, in the current climate, um, I think our impacts like outweigh kind of the negating um, forces out there. Um, I think potentially there is a way. I mean, like in all honesty, like carbon isn't necessarily bad. Waste isn't necessarily bad. It's just the amount that we waste, right. the amount that we consume, and the amount of like overproduction of carbon currently. Um, and I think, you know, we have the ability to, to work on all of these problems. Um, we have the, you know, the manpower and the brain power to solve these problems. We, we just kind of 
need people to adopt um, better habits, essentially. Um, I guess not necessarily only on the consumer level, but higher up. I mean, uh, I was just I was just listening to a conversation um, about how in our school systems, like there are lobbyists who are lobbying to like to not put um, environmental like climate change wording into literature and into our textbooks. Um, and so, and that's happening from, you know, yeah, from like a, a I don't know, a bad place. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how yeah. to, you know. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. It's definitely coming from a negative place. Like there's no, there's no other way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the petroleum industry is lobbying to get that out so they can, you know, continue uh, business as usual. Quick interruption in the episode uh, for a sponsor read. Um, I feel like a long time ago, I was like, oh, no, we're not going to do mineral. Like, we're doing minerals because they're better. And honestly, it's a good breakup in conversation. And uh, we have a great sponsor to break up that conversation. That sponsor is Muir Energy. Uh, Muir is the shit. Like, straight up, I don't know how to say it any different. This is a fast-burning energy gel that doesn't taste like garbage. I think I said doesn't taste like butt the other day in my post. Um, but they have all kinds of flavors. They're made of real food with real ingredients. They are vegan, organic, paleo, gluten-free, non-GMO. Uh, and this particular one, which happens to be my favorite color, which is blueberry bergamot, um, has only five ingredients. Like, that's what you want to see when you get a freaking energy gel. It doesn't need 400 things. It's just a little thing that's in your pocket that you're like, save me. You pull it out and you eat it. So get yourself some Muir Energy at www.muirenergy.com. I only say the www because it bothers Ethan. Um, but go to muirenergy.com and, uh, and get yourself some hydration, some energy gels. They also have this new flavor. or I guess it's an old flavor that they're bringing back. Um, in What was it called, Ethan? Sunflower? Sunflower. Sunflower. That's the whole flavor. It's just called Sunflower. Um, it's amazing. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of everything that they have so far. My actual, like I keep saying, blueberry bergamot is my favorite color because it's, I meant to say my favorite flavor and it was an accident and long story. That was actually the whole story. But cashew lemon is probably the most underrated flavor that they make. It's really, really good. Um, cacao almond, also really good. So, um, get yourself some Muir, uh, use promo code out of bounds to save 15% off on your purchase. That is up from 10% on the last deal that we ran 15% on your purchase. And if you say blueberry bergamot is my favorite color in the, sh in the notes, in the order notes, they promise to send you a gift back to our episode with pep. Yeah. It's it's a crazy argument to even have at this point, and it's a crazy thing to think that there are people out there like this that you know that that it's in their best interest to be like okay, like and you know climate change doesn't exist, or I don't know, like global warming isn't a thing, or what like whatever the wor the verbiage that you want to use, it seems like that's an insane thing. But on the other side of it it's it's actually happening like you said like it's it's in tech like it's getting removed from textbooks it's being it's not like this open conversation where it should be this thing that everybody's kind of collectively buying into like if there's one issue that everybody should just agree on it's it's climate change right like i think that that's a that should be a really non-politicized issue but somehow it has become one of the more politicized issues. And I just, I, I'm never going to understand it. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I guess I, I can, I can understand it from the people who have the power and they, you know, they, they want to continue making as much money as possible. I guess. But like, if that, that affects everybody long-term, right? Like it affects those people's grandkids. It affects their kids. It affects their own lives potentially too. Like there's, mm -hmm. and what? We're going to wait until it's too late and just be like, oh fuck, we missed that one. Like we just like, <laughs> yeah. like, is that what the plan is? I don't understand. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think of it in the same light as I think of like sugars, essentially. I don't know what you're, you're drinking there, but, um, yeah. Um, (laughs) but like you go into like a Maverick for, per se, or like any grocery store and you see like the arrangement of, uh, products, mostly, you know, it's Coke and Pepsi products and they all have like 80% of your daily value in sugar in one drink. Yeah. And like we have the knowledge that says like, that's not good for us. And like that will cause health problems down the road and, and whatnot. And then you have this little, like little section on the side that's like fairly healthy drinks, Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. And like the majority of people who go into shop for a drink, they like, they're going to drink in like this section that has tons and tons of sugar. Yeah. Um, and the other people are like, hello, we're healthy. Yeah. We're over here in this little, <laughs> trying, little box. Trying really hard to get out of that little box. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. But there's both of those, I think, are they're huge issues. I think the sugar one is a much larger bat. It feels like a much more unattainable goal. I think the climate change one, it feels like there's like a breaking point where like everybody's kind of getting closer and closer and closer every year. But it's just not happening fast enough. The sugar thing, I think it's like it's fuck all. I don't think that's I don't think that's getting fixed ever, dude. I'm sorry, I just don't I don't see that getting fixed anytime soon. People are full, including me, full on addicted to that shit. Oh yeah, it's it's Big crazy, time. it's crazy, and every like it's in everything, right? Like every Red Bull athlete is like pushing this thing that has so many, so much sugar in it, and so many other things. And like I drink a ton of Red Bull for no reason other than like I'm used to that like crack open the can sensation like i try to replace every time that's what it is it's that sensation of cracking open a can to a certain extent that does it for a lot of people And it's like oh this is going to give me energy and it's just it's not how it works especially after you drink a million of them but it's uh i've like tried to replace seltzer in my life like just drinking seltzers with that to try to get some of that but it's just not i don't know this is a different conversation for a different day like my dietary (laughs) restrictions and my dietary needs but um yeah dude i i don't know i i hope we get to a point that it's all that it all comes close that it all everybody kind of gets on the same page before it's too late because i on one hand i'm optimistic and on the other hand i'm just like we're fucked everybody's fucked yeah totally i'm in the same boat and i think that's that's one of the reasons why i was really like empowered um from hearing about like what Wonder Alpine was doing through Matt Sturbins, who kind of helped develop this brand from the, the ground up, was like, you have the opportunity to, you know, have a greater impact on on how we consume and how we look at products. And um, I don't know, that was that was really compelling. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons why why I joined on. What when and i assume it was matt that approached you when they approached you to come on board what what were your initial thoughts like what were there other offers on the table was this the only thing that was like that was out there for you and and like what made you actually be like okay this is what i have like this seems like the right fit it seems like it's what i have to do yeah so i was still under contract with k2 for another year um and matt matt approached me um i guess it was in in april and he approached me just to come and test skis um he had been talking about this project that he was doing and um kind of relaying you know all of the interesting details of the molecular foundry and how they can create all these different kind of base structures for other materials and into things that we use in our everyday life. Um, and so I was already kind of like, I was very interested in the project. Um, and so he just asked me to test some skis. Um, and then he's like, well, we're looking to launch this, this ski brand in uh, July. Like, what do you think about joining on? I was like, well, I, you know, I'm under contract. I, I can't, I'm really interested. Like, how about you get a proposal together and um, we can kind of work out the details and see if this is going to be uh, a fit for me and also 
you know, talk to K2 and see if I can terminate my agreement early. Um, and both of those things worked out. We kind of ironed out the detail of um, my job position and title. And um, I was able to get out of that contract and, and pursue this, but yes. Yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't super straightforward. It wasn't like, Oh, you know, my contract's <laughs> up for renewal. Like do, uh, do I want to explore other options? It was like this option kind of came to the table. Oh, um, oh sorry about that. Very good. What, how did that, how did K2 take it? Like what, how was that conversation? Um, at the time they were like, well, that's a great opportunity. Um, we'll go back to, you know, our higher ups and see what we can do to like make a better offer to you, um, to kind of compensate. And, um, what they came back with was just kind of unrealistic for where I was in my career. Mm. Um, and I just saw so much more value in, in joining on to something that I really believed in. Um, plus it gave me, you know, it gave me tons of benefits. Uh, I now have had a family of two and um, wanted to, you know, of course, look out for their well-being. Um, and I saw it as, as a way to kind of stay, stay in the industry and stay you know, somewhat relevant and have, um, yeah, be part of something that is seeking to do better. Yeah. Real bottom line. Yeah. I think that's a very, it's an admirable thing, but it's also, like you said, it's, it's a way to kind of keep yourself involved in the industry long-term too. And I think that's a really important thing, especially as you're like, I don't know, everybody gets older. And as you get older, you're like, what do I do next? Do I really want to be hucking myself for money for forever? Like, I don't know, that (laughs) seems like a difficult decision to make. Um, But at the same time, when an opportunity like this comes up, I, 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 yeah, I think for what it's worth, I think it's the right choice. And I think it's, I think it's a great thing. When Wonder first announced the launch, I was a little skeptical because I was like, okay, does the world need another ski brand? Right. And I think that that's, that was literally my only issue. I was like, okay, yeah. to, there's another ski brand now. There's so many ski brands and what, like, how is this going to be different? I think very quickly people realize like this is different. Like there is something that's inherently different about the product and that's a positive thing. And it's, I think a lot of the newer brands that you're starting to see launch, like you look at a thousand skis, like the goal is very different. They're like, we want to control our own product and we want, to have minimal impact on the environment. I think Wonder is on the opposite, not on the opposite side of that, but they're on a totally different level of that, I guess, where it's like the actual materials being used are just straight up better. Like, I mean, you're using algae. Like, it's fuck, it's crazy to me that that's what you guys are using to make skis, and I would have never thought about something like that um, until it came out. But what what does your day-to-day look like? What is the... Like, what is, what do you actually do on a day to day? Especially like, okay, today, for example, what is, what does it look like for you? Well, so let's see, right now we're gearing up to unveil our snowboard lineup. We have a split and solid coming out. Uh, we also updated our intention, uh, 110 to a 108 and made it a bit more like all mountain free ride focused. So we, we have those two projects in the works. So of course you need to design uh, a website, get all the copy and marketing assets together. Um, all of those, those skis and snowboards were out at uh, various magazine tests. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about like, you know, bringing all of the information together in one place, um, getting all of the, the content and copy together um, for implementation and um, coming up with promotions and that sort of thing. Uh, so today I, I got in a bit early. Um, I dropped my kids off at uh, a, a camp up at Alta. So I was able to, it's nice coming in early because you get like at least like half hour to an hour where it's fairly quiet and you have some like focus time. But um, responding to emails, we're also like doing a giveaway uh, with a bunch of other partners. Um, so just kind of managing that. Um, we have a whole other side to wonder, which is an event platform. So we have like three different, 
base events. We have like an educational event, which are called the rendezvous. We have the roost and we have what we call the wonder outposts. And that's a series of events um, that we do with our uh, retail partners and across the States. And hopefully we'll expand to some international locations. But yeah, it's like kind of keeping, getting all of just like the, the full package of those offerings together um, and then presenting them in a kind of a clear and cohesive way. But all those events are actually free to the Wonder Alpine community. Like if you, if you buy a pair of skis, you get access to um, all these events, which I think is, is pretty unique. Um, and it offers, you know, the ability uh, for our consumers to get educated on current practices um, in the backcountry um, and kind of up their knowledge game because of course we feel a bit responsible um, as a backcountry brand sending people out into kind of an untamed environment. Yeah. Um, so that was like a huge tangent um, <laughs> back to my day to day. <laughs> you so, have yeah, no idea. <laughs> there have, there's been way worse, dude. That is not a huge tangent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so, anyway so back we're also to we we decided to to bring our our um our ski design in uh, not ski design but our top sheet design in-house um so i'm kind of managing getting all of those together and signing off on those projects so there's a lot of kind of back and forth with the design team to review changes and make sure everything looks nice and pretty. Um, yeah, above that, like, yeah, managing different campaigns. Um, yeah, that's the gist. That's the, that's the gist of today, yes. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a serious, like a very serious question? What actually sells skis? Like, and maybe there's not like a straight up answer to that, but you mentioned a few things like top sheet design and like doing events and doing ski mag tests. Like does what actually sells skis at the end of the day? Right. Like, cause that's always been an interesting thing to me is people attach themselves to these brands. And I'm always curious to know what brand, like if brands are conscious of this or if it just happens because of the collection of things that they do but you see it a lot with brands like an on3p or uh, recently a mm -hmm. season or j skis for example or forefront like any of these companies and now wonder people are attaching themselves to so what what do you think it is that sells that actually makes people buy skis right because i think everybody can get behind the message but mm -hmm. pulling out their credit card is a totally different thing yeah, I agree. If you figure that out, I, I'm just <laughs> left. feel free to let me know. I, yeah, I don't know, man. That's I'm always I always want to know from the others other perspective, right? Like I come from retail on the retail side. Half the time it's graphic, right? Like it's like I mm -hmm. want the one that's graphic, and I want the one that I can afford, right? Like those are the two things that are, that are the majority of ski sales, right? I think most people yeah. that walk into a into a ski shop specifically just walk in because they need to buy new skis right not because they're looking for something specific at least on especially on a local level on the internet and when you're selling store like selling stuff at a higher level it's different right because people have access to everything they're more educated shoppers pulling them into mm -hmm. your brand is a lot harder so that's kind of why i'm asking you because it's it's different when you're selling and you can buy skis directly, even if you have retail partners like that. There's a lot more that goes into that. And your marketing strategy and your, your customer acquisition strategy has to be totally different than, than, I don't know, for example, a K2 that just is on the wall and has the name recognition, right? Like you can sell a K2 yeah. all day long because people know the name. Like people buy Hondas all the time because they know the name. Like they don't have to like look it up and see what it's about. They already know. So, yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of those companies, like they have a reputation, they have street cred. Um, but I mean, I think first and foremost, you have to have a product that performs. Um, like if we would have came out with a product that wasn't good at all, <laughs> like that would have been, that would have been terrible. Yeah, and, been rough. you know, that would have been like the first impression that people had. They're like, oh, these 
these skis, this company is like way more conscious, but the skis just aren't very good. And that would get out. Um, so I think like maintaining quality is huge. Um, but yeah, it's like about your brand messaging, brand story, and then getting everything condensed in a way that's digestible, especially for like an <laughs> online platform. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, we're, we want to maintain kind of a direct to consumer model, but how do you get people to actually swipe their card kind of sight unseen in essence, like you're relying on, you know, the people, the experts or the people at the business, you, you, you have to develop a trust with those, you know, your consumers, um, so that they feel comfortable you know, buying your skis sight unseen. I, I think Matt has done a good job. Like he came from Forefront. He has a lot of history in the ski industry and building really high quality products. So I think that certainly helped um, in the foundation because there were a lot of a lot of people who rode Forefront skis and were like, you know, we know Matt is all about quality and, um, you know, customer service and, um, all of these different other business components that are really, um, I really like relate directly to, to the consumer. Um, sorry, are you still hearing, hearing me? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, my, yeah. I think my pause died. <laughs> That's okay. You're actually just cool. as clear as before. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, right now, I, I think it's really great that we do have uh, retailers um, in most of the, the states that have mountains in, in the United States. Um, so people can go and touch and feel our products when someone's buying a you know, $700 pair of skis, like a lot of people want to see them first or want to demo them. And we do offer demos. I think in the, in the first year, we're first and second year, we offered to ship um, you know, a pair of demos to wherever you were, it kind of felt, it didn't feel right to us to do that because of the carbon impact that, yeah, that, that takes place. But we felt like it, like we had to get these skis on people's feet in order for them to really feel comfortable. And we ended up getting, you know, quite a bit of sales that way. Yeah. Um, it's funny that demos yeah, still it, work. What's that? It's funny that demos still work. Like that, that thing, like people just going out and trying like that. It's, it's crazy to me that, that, that way of selling skis is still like the easiest way to turn somebody on. Once somebody demos a ski, you'll never get them to shut up about it. If, if, and it could be only like (laughs) conditions based experience based. They had a good day, like whatever, whatever happened that day, if whatever ski they have on their foot, if it's even okay, it like shuts down everything else. Nobody else's opinion matters. They will buy that ski. And that's like the most direct way I think that you can sell a ski. But you're right, like shipping skis to people probably doesn't have the most positive carbon impact in the entire world. No, I mean, it was carbon neutral shipping, but regardless. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I guess that's better. Yeah, um, but yeah, I agree with it. Well, we also had this dilemma, like we're selling backcountry skis, you know, like how do you actually facilitate a demo right. to the backcountry consumer? It's really challenging. Of course, our skis work great in the resort as well. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't our focus. And, um, anyway, that was, that was, I guess our, our solve for the, the first problem. And of course, with backcountry skiing, then you need to, you know, hire guides and make sure everybody has some liability waiver signed and, yeah. and all that. What's the, what is the percentage would you say of people that are buying your skis and putting an Alpine binding on them versus putting a touring binding on them. Is it the vast majority of people are aware of what they're buying or a lot of people are still buying them and putting Alpine, like slapping an Alpine binding on them just because it's a wonder it has that brand attachment because they want to buy a ski that you're on or that they know Sturban's made, like it is involved with what it, what does that split look like? Do you think? Uh, I think it's about 70, 30, 70, okay. um, backcountry oriented. 30%. Oh, yeah that's quite a bit man like that's a good i mean that's a pretty good hold on that market especially if you can like i don't know the more skis you guys sell it's funny because like 
the more it's this weird conundrum where like the more skis you guys sell, it is better and it's like it's a great thing. And then there's just more skis out in the world and like you're producing more and you build more and like I hope that you guys gain more of that market share so that it is like a positive impact on the environment long term, but it's it's just funny how that whole system works. It is it's you're selling skis we're in the selling skis business right like you got to sell more you got to make more and there's obviously added costs and there's added impact to that yeah totally um i mean i guess i guess i think about it this way like the more skis that we sell it's kind of like showcasing the material capabilities and using a more sustainable resource Right. So this resource can be utilized in a whole lot of other industrial applications, consumer applications, et cetera. So you're essentially like adopting a new resource um, to create products that do the same thing that all these other products do, um, but are designed particularly for that product specific application. Um, and so your overall impact will be greater in the long run than kind of the short term, oh, we're building more skis or creating yeah. more things that aren't necessarily like necessary for our survival per se. Yeah. Um, but it's that like, I don't know, that, that like outer space, like thinking out here, not necessarily right. here. Right, right. Thinking big picture. I, yeah, I love that. And I don't, I don't mean to sound like I think that selling more skis is a bad thing. I think selling more skis is a good thing for sure. And I think that you guys are setting a good example for how to do that in a positive way. Right. Because we're at least being responsible in the way that you do it. Right. And kind of being very clear about what the intention is with what you guys are putting out into the world. And I think that that's something that every ski brand should take a little bit more out of because you see a lot of this like fake environmentalism in skiing all the time where Mm -hmm. people just slap an eco label on something because it's going to make people go, Oh, like that's better. Right. Like there, there's so much of that that happens in skiing that nobody ever really digs past that surface level. And I think that you guys kind of have done that, like the material straight up, just sustainable. Like it is something. And I know we don't like sustainable because it gets used for it. It's okay. But, um, it, I just, I don't know. I like the way that it's being done. I like the way that it's presented. And I think the consumer, and you can tell me, is responding well to it. Because I've heard a bunch of people asking for those skis. And I've seen a bunch of people and a bunch of my friends are riding those skis. So it's got to be working. And it's got to be clicking in a positive way. Yeah, I I think so. (laughs) Is that hard to get? Like, what does it look like for you long term? Like, what does success look like for a company like Wonder? Um, I mean, I think we, we continue down this path and we're able to like, um, yeah, we're able to look at all the different ski materials that we're using and, you know, create those materials for in-house design. But, um, as one, like for wonder as an overall brand, we'd like to create as many, um, more sustainable product products, um, you know, across the outdoor space, uh, we will be coming to market with, an an apparel line fairly soon. Um, that has the first hundred percent bio-based wicking application, uh, which is super cool. You know, that's cool to be, yeah, to have that first one of a kind, um, material application. Um, but yeah, I think just like, you know, broadening our product scope, um, in a very methodical and thought out manner that kind of takes all of the supply chain issues into account, um, ethical practices and the manufacturing of the products. Um, and yeah, continuing to do good in the world, um, and, you know, put, put our money back into um, designing more consciously created products. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Well, cool. That's kind of, I mean, honestly, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. So I, this is, this has been great. Where my last thing is where can people find you? Where can people find wonder? 
where can people check out the skis more? Um, kind of give me the give me the whole plug. Give me the rundown. Like where where is it all at? Absolutely. So we design and manufacture everything in Salt Lake City. I'm down at the office um, pretty much five days a week, unless uh, you get down here in the winter time. And then my schedule is all over the place. But yeah, I'm here. We're making skis. Uh, we just finished our showroom, um, which hasn't been like the, the building and structure is complete, um, but we haven't moved anything in there yet. We're hoping to do um, kind of a grand opening, hopefully in September, but um, you'll be able to find more out about that on wonderalpine.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, of course, for updates uh, updates there on what we're doing and how we're progressing. Same with online, um, or else you'll find me at a pool uh, during the <laughs> summer <laughs> or out on the bike trails. Um, <laughs> Yeah, or going to the going to a regular yoga class. <laughs> do you do a lot of yoga? Yeah, yeah, I, I I probably do yoga like four to five times a week. What? That's so much yoga. <laughs> Does it feel like? Do yeah. you feel good? Like, on, like genuinely, do you feel good? Oh, absolutely. That's crazy, yeah. man. I do like two yoga classes a month, and I feel like somebody beat the shit out of me. <laughs> but maybe it's because well, I'm doing I two a month. <laughs> Yeah, I don't necessarily always go to like a yoga class, but I'll I'll do yoga at my house or have okay. like an abbreviated like yoga or meditation session and then ride my bike or yeah, you know, do something, something. like that, but I've got to yeah, I got to get exercise in every day or else I turn into a terrible person. <laughs> I love that. I think more people definitely need to uh adopt that uh, that mantra into their life because it's, it's really important. I'm the same way. Like if I don't do something active every single day or if I don't get outside every single day, even if it's fucking disgusting out, I, I lose my mind. I feel like I've just been staring at a screen and probably had been staring at a screen all day. So it's, uh, it's nice to get some out outside time. And hopefully if that's, if any, if people take anything from this episode, I hope that's what they take away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so funny. Cause it's a vicious cycle. Like if you don't get outside and you feel kind of terrible, then you like just end up eating. Yeah. I'll just like <laughs> eat a bunch of stuff that I, I overeat. And I'm like, now I feel even worse. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell am I doing? And, and then, then I go yeah. exercise and I'm like not as hungry and I want to eat more healthy. It's uh, yeah. so funny. It's in, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very vicious cycle that you can get into, but nonetheless, um, Pep, I appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for the time. Glad we finally got to do this. Um, I'm, I'm glad it all worked out and I appreciate you taking time from, uh, from your work day to do this thing. Yeah, of course. You're welcome. The pleasure was all mine. <laughs>